right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. Solly here, regular PGA Tour golf. Definitely back, if I may say so. DJ Pie is here in the kill house. Hello, DJ Pie. Greetings. Hello. Calling in from Denver, Big Randy. Hello, Big Randy. Hey, guys. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on your show. <laughs> Damn it. I know you had to hate the paying volunteers getting dragged there near the end of the playoff. They broke The fans broke contain on 16. I know. You know, I think people love to punch down on the volunteers because they're an easy subject. But I just, with with your activism, I, I think we can bring uh, awareness to this issue. And it's a fight that I have no intentions of stopping anytime soon. <laughs> These paying volunteers deserve better. You, you look like Beto. You know, you were born for this, man. Exactly. I will. This will be part of my platform. This will be a plank of my campaign. I was born for this fight. Sam Burns wins the Valspar. He won it with the Chrome Soft X golf ball that he said, I love this ball so fast off the drives driver. Gives me all the shots that I need. He won it with a Rogue ST triple diamond driver. Was number one in strokes gain off the tee this week as of the time that this ad read was sent over. I did not double check that. He's also using the Apex U-Wood. He's using the U-Wood. How about that? I thought I saw that. I was like, I didn't know any pros were in the U-Wood. DJ Pye and I are uh, strong advocates of the U-Wood. He's using the Apex TCB irons, the Callaway Jaws MD5 raw wedges, Odyssey 7S putter, and as I mentioned, the Chrome Soft X golf ball. Also on top of that, the on the European Tour, Sean Norris won with an Odyssey V-line, on, and on the LPG, the Ladies European Tour, Georgia Hall won with a Rossi. More testament for the Odyssey, the number one putter on tour. In case you missed it, seven of the top nine finishers at the players last week had Odyssey putters in the bag. So stay tuned for giveaway. Some details about a giveaway of the Odyssey staff bag that'll come here that we have behind us here in the studio. Also, if you missed it, Sam Burns was on our podcast last week, head of the players, talking about being in contention and all the things we just witnessed. So that might be an interesting look back interview, if you will. There was a lot of people asking, is the bump dead? Is the bump Absolutely dead? Absolutely not. It was one of those, I don't even think we called out the bump. Uh, I did up. once at one oh, point. Well, I was maybe. like, I don't know if I follow you. Okay. <laughs> You know, it's a great week last week, apart from a, a rough, uh, I almost said Sunday, but it was actually more like Tuesday morning uh, by the time we got to the final round of the players. But the, uh, and then a, a win this week. So the bump is alive and well. Yeah, the, the bump is obviously alive. Uh, maybe a, a week early, but I also think, you know, players week was so screwy with the dates. He, you know, I think Sunday night he had the lead, if I remember right, you know, last week. So that sounds right. He's yeah. obviously playing some of the best golf in the world. And it is kind of, Wild to think that he's 25 years old. I, yeah, that was that caught me by surprise. I was on, like, I thought he's like 28. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he will be at the. Pre- I mean, almost assuredly now on the Presidents Cup team, which I know you're excited about, DJ. You keep trying, you know. <laughs> Solly keeps kind of beating the horse. Like, man, this is gonna be so fun to watch at the Presidents Cup. I'm like, yeah. I mean, theoretically, yeah. I, w- I won't be watching it. He's like, no, no, no. It's gonna be so sweet. I'm like, just break down what what part of it's gonna be sweet to you. I, it's gonna be one of the great ass beatings <laughs> of our time. One, but those are like, I'd like to watch the Euros get their ass beat. I don't want to watch like you know, I know, I'd like Leash and Cam, and I, I don't like. I don't want to watch those guys get their ass kicked. I know, but it it. Just get, let me have thuggish, something. Thuggish jingoism. Give from me Solid. something to look forward to all the way at the end of the year. All right, I need I need something to get excited about here. But um, I thought it, Valspar, man, it it 
punches above its weight. I think with everything that happened this past week with the players bleeding into Monday, the week could have gone very differently for them. Uh, some of the big names could have withdrawn. Um, you know, so, what, there's you know, it, there's been some issues in the past couple weeks of guys committing to tournaments and not playing, which we can get to some of that later. But uh, didn't get a lot of that. You continue, you continue to disrespect my guy Doug Gim. <laughs> <laughs> who said smell you, smell you guys a, a quote unquote big name yeah I, I i forgot about all the tickets that doug gim sold this week for for the valspar but doug, uh doug gim from just outside chicago it uh put some respect on him and his deerfield people the tournament it, it finds a way to punch above its weight i know you hate the valspar dj it's a it's a personal crusade you have against the, the entire city of tampa but uh it it's tough to come down from players week and go back to regular broadcast and just a, I mean, just the, it's just, it's a come down. There's a, a total, you see the difference in a big event on the PJ tour calendar and a regular one. And it sticks out in a week like this, but we also got a great finish. We did. And it, it is fun to, you know, there's a little bit of recognizable uh, elements to those, those last few holes. I'm not going to say, well, you know, I, I'm not going to say the name, uh, Randy. I'll leave that for you. I know you're, I know you're a huge, huge fan of of the the whimsical names, uh, but it is fun watching them come in. I, I think 14 is an awesome hole to watch. 15 is a cool hole to watch, and then obviously 16, 17, 18 are are always good as well. I'm I'm with you. It, it punches above its weight. I don't know that that means it's you know some like it, it's it's very much a hipster hipster tournament on the PJ Tour, and I, I will, I'm not going to be contributing to uh to that anymore i don't think it's, it's fine it's very much okay I, I this is no slight at the people the great people that run the event i've always had a blast you know working with those people back even to my days at the pj tour it's a very very well run event the people of tampa seem passionate and great it's just not you know i wouldn't say it's my favorite event to watch it's it's very much fine I do want to. I want to point something out here that was in the copy that I, I did not audit, and I wish I would have because he was actually Sam Burns was negative strokes gain off the tee this past <laughs> week. So, just want to be transparent in that that I that uh, there may have been a, a, a little a slight mishap in the statistics there, but uh, only he, like one though. Only still, one. Still pretty good. He did. He did a lot of other stuff. Randy, does Valspar work for you? The Valspars, I think DJ said it very well. Put it very well. It's it's a very fine tournament. You know, I can remember the Halcyon days when John Senden was sure. winning this, this event. Maybe even in the, the days when it was the Transitions Championship, which was sick. Which, which listen, we were getting Kenny Perry transition <laughs> lenses, yeah. serve, ads served to us. We got Trevor uh, Immelman out there great. grilling steaks with his transitions <laughs> and then flawlessly walking inside as the transitions click right back into glasses. Uh, that's what I remember. But bring that back. Valspar, you know, the paint company, I could, I could take or leave. Yeah, you know what I I always appreciated or I, I'd say liked is is a a good enough word that Innisbrook and the Valspar it doesn't quite give you the same feel as some of the other Florida courses. So while it is still in Florida, it doesn't you know it, it doesn't quite have that same aesthetic. And I don't know after a few weeks in Florida, I'm I'm glad for that. I guess. The Very well said. The I shots totally work. The yeah. shots totally work around that golf course, and I, I mentioned this on Twitter too. But just having a not having not ankle deep rough like we've had the last couple weeks with the players in Bay Hill, uh, shortly off the fairway, adds a whole another layer to wanting to watch it. Honestly, it's pretty narrow fairways out there, but there is a reward for hitting it. You saw that on the 18th hole, especially the way it played out in the playoffs. Sam Burns hits the fairway. So, uh, uh, I'm gonna, we, we threw out so many names around Riley Davis. I'm going to mess up his name at some point. Chris Davis Riley. Riley. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's not going to be the last time that happens. But uh, he hit the fairway. You, and you're, you're, you guys are going to have many more battles. Yeah. You and his name, Chris Riley, Cameron Champ, Cameron Davis. There's a there's a lot of a lot of different ways we could go. Davis with Riley the uh, third. I, I already forget which one it is, um, but. Hits the fairway in regulation, hits it, you know, throws a dart just over the flag, and then in uh, in the playoff, he misses just barely off the fairway. Has a long conversation with his caddy, trying to get the number right. When you're playing out of the rough, your spot you need to land it in shrinks a lot. Your options for getting close to the hole shrink a lot. It makes you take on the front bunker a lot more, and adds a whole other level of uncertainty of how the ball is going to come out, whether or not you can hit your number. And he paid the price, hit it in the bunker. Look, it's a pretty easy bunker shot, but. Burns clearly had a chance to win it there. It, di- it didn't, but like that is, I love seeing that style of golf is the point. And, and watching guys just totally hack it out. If that was ankle deep rough, he would have had to chunk one up the fairway to the right and try to get up and down and didn't have the opportunity to try the hero shot. So tying in the whole conversation we had around Bay Hill and like an example of what I think those courses sh- can and should play like, it looks a lot more like this than, you know, needing to protect a certain number. I, I think this event, too, is also a bit of a victim of of schedule, right? It seems like it always has a bad week. This year, it's directly after the players. I think last year, it was like, what we're saying, it was like early May almost, right? End of April or, into May, yeah. Yeah, just a, a weird spot there as well. I, I think that I'm not advocating this by by any means, but it's it's one of those things that if, if weather was not a factor, if heat was not a factor, all those things, if you could just pick it up and plop it like midsummer, I think I'd like it a lot more. But at, at this point in the calendar, it's like, dude, I, man, I've just watched every shot from Hawaii. I've watched everything from Torrey. I've watched everything from Riv. I've watched everything from Bay Hill. I've watched everything from the players. I'm like, ah, I'm just, I'm kind of good. By the time we get to Valspar, I'm like, ah, I, this feels like, you know, you need a week off, right? I can't, I can't do five in a row, you know? So like, like most players, I, I, I need to take a week. That's a direct shot at Rondé Barber right there <laughs> is what that is. That That is a shot across the bow. What what do you have against the people of Tampa, <laughs> the Barber Twins and Ronde specifically? Here's what I'll say. If uh I've been in the tournament many times, uh when Speeth goes back, then I'll go back. But, you know, Speeth won the tournament, he doesn't go back anymore. What do you what do you want me to say? <laughs> that is, that is that you know, is we got to take a break. And it is when, when they get big chill there as the Grand Marshal <laughs> and the MC, TC and I will, will happily make the trip down to Valspar. I, I hated news of the week. I hated seeing that Trug got blocked by uh, Kurt Schilling on Twitter this week. I know that's similar to you being blocked by Phil Mickelson, Randy. I know that's a, <laughs> yeah, an age old uh, just fan affair that he's had with with Big <laughs> Schill. And that was that was a bummer to see him finally get under his skin. Have you even you know. addressed? Get, well, we, we can save this for later. Have you got addressed getting blocked by Phil yet on the podcast? I, you were suspended for so long. I can't remember. You know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I I don't know. Yeah, it happened. I I, I certainly remember it happened. Uh, that was something. <laughs> uh, I w- I want to say one other thing on Sam Burns and how kind of tying in a lot of the conversations I've had with you two specifically about winning golf tournaments and mm. how. This is a reflection of when I and I said this to DJ earlier. When I'm watching Sam Burns on a Sunday, and I said this to him in the podcast too, it's like I feel like I'm watching somebody with full release in every swing and every shot, and like full confidence in every shot he plays on a Sunday when in contention. Like sometimes you feel like guys maybe take a little longer or change their their process a little bit, or you know maybe make some tentative swings or don't play as aggressively or make poor decisions. He just seems to be so committed, so dialed into hitting the shots. And at the same time, it's like, man, he's got some Icarito in him. He's like had the most 36-hole leads in the last year and a half. Has had some 54-hole leads that haven't worked out. And it nets out to three wins, and it just comes from like 
that's the product of getting in contention a lot, like a lot. You don't, it'd be really weird and crazy good luck to get in contention three times and win three times. But when you get in contention 10 times, it's a reasonable expectation that you would net out with three wins. Like sometimes you're going to show up on a Sunday and just not have it. Kind of felt like JT was not really there today. And, you know, it ends up, you know, he ends up not winning it. Sometimes you're going to put up a pretty good effort and somebody just beats you like uh, Davis Riley here or, or Riley Davis. <laughs> I do forget which one it is now. I'm in my own head. Uh, and then sometimes like you'd have your stuff and it falls your, you know, sometimes you blow the doors off everyone. And sometimes like you just play pretty good and win it by a very thin margin. And that's what we, that's what we had this time around. So he seems like he, uh, you know, I always, the, the Mav McNeely quote from the podcast always sticks with me where you're just pro golf's all about maxing, maxing out your, your big weeks. And Sam, like, he still has missed a, a fair amount of cuts, right? He still had a couple of middling finishes, but it, it does seem like when he gets in contention, like you said, he's he's going pedal to the metal, full gas. Just let's try to get this thing done, which is uh, which is really fun to watch. I, I I'm making fun of you, obviously, with the Presidents Cup, but I totally do agree that in a team format, that's going to be a blast to to watch. So I'm in. Just I probably won't watch Presidents Cup, but at the Ryder Cup, I can't wait. It's gonna be you great. will watch it. I will. I will put. You, I will put that to the test. You're gonna. You're gonna watch it. Um, are, they st- are they still playing it at Quail Hollow? The, allegedly, they are. Yeah, mm, that's, that's gonna be tough. <laughs> I think that's gonna be tough for the internationals. I hate. I hate you know it. what could be? I, I'm not trying to segue off. Uh, I know we'll have a lot to talk about this, but if uh, enough players leave to go play, like either the Saudi Tour or or something else, the Presidents Cup could get interesting. Well, that's gonna, say, gonna be the only thing. They, that would be the only thing that that would make me want to watch is if it's like. You know, we've got Pat and Kazire and and things of that nature out there uh, competing for the country. I'm, I'm in on that. It uh, in a week where the SGL or Live Golf, excuse me, unveils their schedule. PGL letter gets leaked. We lead with Presidents Cup in the first <laughs> the first segment of this show. Just, we everything's come full circle here. Um, D- Davis Riley, man, he could have had a very 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 different day after. Honestly, one of the most horrific triples I've ever <laughs> witnessed that of somebody leading a tournament there on the the, part, the, the likes of which we haven't seen since possibly Robert Garrigus in Memphis, uh, whatever that was, 10, 12 years ago now. He played it down two of the wrong holes, which also Zinger, I think, tried to tell us which holes they were and get the, both of them wrong, I think, at the same time. Uh, made a triple bogey and only made one bogey the rest of the way out and played played one under after that. Obviously, to get into the playoff, but uh, that was that could have gone. He, he drove the shit out of it after, uh, and you know, having a very difficult front nine and first time really in contention on the PGA Tour. I think it, you know, waiting around for the two PMT time. We got we saw that on full display. And Zinger made a great point to open the show about like how the you know when JT and Burns show up for this week, they view it as a four day. They have a four day model for this thing. They're not worried about. They're not that concerned about missing the cut. They treat it, you know, they know how good they are and they know they're going to be around for four days in all likelihood. Whereas these guys that ha- don't have that track record of success, like a lot of energy gets burned in the first couple of days of the tournament. And can that last 72 holes? And look, he obviously made a great comeback to get into the playoff, had an unbelievable shot in the 17, but it did seem like that was pretty prescient at the time with him and, and Neesmith kind of having a, a, a tough day. Whereas uh, the dudes that, you know, are, have done this a few times before, you know, started running downhill. And it's also kind of a good, I mean, I know it's not a massive layoff, but when you, you think about like these rookies trying to really put a, a schedule together and trying to put a season together and, and all those things, like you just don't know when it's going to click. Right. So uh, just looking at his, his, uh, schedule, like he missed the cut at Bay Hill and uh, like, how long ago does that seem like? Right. I know it's not that long, but even just to like, 
watch everybody like, okay, shit, I'm not in the players. Like, I, I guess I'm just like sitting around waiting, sitting around waiting. And then, you know, you come to Tampa, you don't know what kind of game you're going to have. And yeah, all of a sudden you have a massive, you know, you've got a couple shot lead on, uh, on Sunday, which is a lot to, it's a lot to process. I wonder, this could be among the worst takes possible, but do you think like the triple almost settled him down? You think it was one of those things that's like... Love one, that take. But you know what I'm saying? Like, two-shot lead is just very like... Hell yeah. Don't fuck up, don't fuck yeah. up, don't fuck up, don't fuck up. Until, and then, like, you get one, two shots behind. It's almost... It almost seems like it could be a little bit more like, okay, let's go, like, chase them down. Not everybody's looking at me right now. You know, okay, good. They're all looking at JT. Like, now I can go do my thing. And obviously, he's, like, a, you know, extremely talented player who's, like, won at every level. It's not like he's not used to to playing, you know, in front of people and on big stages, but not that big a stage. That that would be the biggest so far. Do you, you want to expand on that? You, you're a big fan of that take, Randy? Sure. <laughs> I mean, I, of course, I have no idea if it's, you know, if it's true or not, but I, I, I think it's interesting. <laughs> uh, I think there's something I, to that. I, I think there's something to it. I, you know, just human nature. It's, it's probably a little easier to chase than to be chased. Definitely. And then all of a sudden um, he has the chip in on eight, right? The the like really really hard par three. It's almost like that that tip ball that we always joke about. Like, okay, no, I'm not I'm not out of this. Like we're we're totally okay. It's just yeah, it was fun to fun to watch him put together his his day today. I I want to say how proud I am of both you guys for that whole discussion around Burns getting in contention a lot for not not cracking a, a below the belt joke. You know? No, I listen, thought, your guys. Yeah, I thought you would want to bring it up on your own. Exactly. I thought, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, there, there are a lot of people that get in contention a lot and don't win three times. <laughs> Just the two times. What's your guys' reaction to what we saw out of JT this week? I mean, it's it's hard to be anything but like very, 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 very positive, right? He just keeps like it's it's really weird. Speaking of uh, you know below the belt jokes and and people getting in contention constantly without winning, uh, I do feel differently watching JT do it than I do watching Chaboy do it, uh, but. Yeah, dude. I mean, he's just. Uh, I'm looking at his his results, kind of going back to when do we want to start here? I mean, even like hero, I guess. T five, T five, T twenty, T eight, sixth, T thirty three, and then what? Are he, what was he? T three this, week, this yeah. week. That's what Randy does. Does JT have the resume to to validate a less than stellar Sunday, or to 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 you know to make you make it okay to kind of brush this one away? Uh, yeah, for sure. Oh, okay. What, Darn it, I'm want? disappointed by that. I wanted you to like d- dig in extra hard on that one. Well, because people do well, still send in tweets that are like, "Do we get on JT for not winning enough, man? Like he gets in contention a lot, doesn't win a whole lot." I was saying no, that I, the players I last him, week. I, I get on him for only having one major. I think he's yes, that's fair. Too talented to only have one major, but and it's not even only know. having the one. It's just like not contending, right? Yes. And, and not even being in the conversation. Yeah, but but he's won 14 times on the PJ Tour. I, I I'm gonna cut him a break from, you know, finishing tied for third a, a stroke out today. I, I think that's you've lost that'd your be fastball. For, forcing the take a little. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I appreciate that nuance, big. That's why people turn to this show is to is to exactly they know you're not shock jocking out here. I I quickly looked up his his kind of trends if you will um on data golf as as he was playing today and it kind of jumped out at me and how how almost perfectly in line he is so far this year uh this season i guess with his top strokes gain season like the numbers almost the exact same and in his top three seasons he's bagged i think 11 of his 14 wins 
and in nine starts now so far this year, producing at that same exact level has gotten zero wins out of it. So usually when he plays this good, it lasts for basically a whole year, and he stacks up wins in multiples. So that's just something to keep an eye on as we trend towards Augusta as well. And that's what I was going to say. I hate being a uh, caddy guy. I know the caddies are not, not hitting the shots out there. I know Jimmy Johnson is an obviously excellent, excellent caddy. Uh, but JT playing like this and having bones on the bag going to Augusta is thrilling stuff. Like, Honestly, would watch. I hadn't even thought that much about bones in, at Augusta. That is... I think he's been there many times. I believe he's got some experience there yeah. in the... In the yeah. Um, before we get to our next segment, actually, I want to um, point out one other guy before uh, Augusta as well. But college basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. A sportsbook isn't available in your state yet. You can join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool, answer questions like who will make it to the next round and who will hit the most three-pointers, then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code NLU. Bet $5 on any College Hoops team to win, and you get $200 in free bets if they do. And if they win... You win with promo code NLU this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 and older restriction supplies. See show notes for details. The one guy I wanted to point out here, we have Brooks Kepka, who shot a final round 65, low round of the day. I just get a little weird, tingly sense that uh, he's dialing something up for Augusta. I, 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 he's had great success there. I know he has not won there, but I've told myself many times I'm not going to get, I'm not going to let Brooks sneak up on me and before a major again. And I, my spidey senses are just, just sensing a little something. So keep an eye on that. I like that. I appreciate you. Brooks Kepka could play well at the masters. <laughs> just, I, I want to get out on that limb. No, it, I appreciate you disclosing that. That's, very much a possibility. That's massive. I think a couple more guys before we, we move off the, the Valspar, uh, a personal pick just cause I had had bet on this week. So it was falling, but master pa- Matt Fitzpatrick is playing really, really good golf. Got completely boned by the draw at the players. Uh, but going back, I think to looking at his some of his results, the Andalusia Masters that he won late, late last year. I mean, since then, I mean T thirty, T sixty four, but then T two, T twelve, T six, T ten, T nine, and a miscut it uh, at the players. But playing really, really nice. And when golf courses get hard, he tends to play really well. I've just he's got a guy. He's got to break through and and win over here, man. I'm dying for it. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. He, he we want to talk about a guy that it, it's time it, it's time to win. It's time to break through. That's that's Matt Fitzpatrick. I, I really weird one. I feel like Fitz only plays well NBC weeks. <laughs> I, I swear to God, he's always he's always tees off fifty minutes, pretty much exactly before the leaders. They cut to him. He's making a 15-footer with the flag in. I just The conditions get firmer. He just starts rising up the leaderboard. God, that's a good take. I don't know why, but somebody look into that. Maybe we can tag Justin Ray with that. NBC Weeks, Fitzpatrick top fives, top tens almost every time. God, that's that that holds pretty true. Look at his, right? his results. He did have a T5 at Genesis last year. That hurts the case. So that, that hurts. But, but other than that, I mean, that could be a, a complete statistical outlier. Hmm. Heritage last year? I don't know who had Heritage. That would have been CBS. Okay. So what about Pebble Beach this year? There could be some Damn holes. Uh, Pebble is. A I, I know what you're well. saying, though, Solly, and I like it. It's a brave <laughs> take, and I, I'm glad you I'm threw saying. it. I'm, I don't know how you know what I'm saying. I'm, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm glad you threw that out there. That's that's compelling. I, you know, I had that thought today watching the tournament. Is it just it's interesting what the PGA Tour is testing because I think a guy like 
Matt Fitzpatrick, perhaps under some different circumstances, would be I, I like you said, DJ, it just seems like when it when it turns into when par is <laughs> a really good score. He's playing he's real golf that, out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's a guy that that just consti- consistently shows up. And not to say that he doesn't play well, you know, weeks like this when when there are birdies to be made, but uh just is interesting because I think his skill set, his his natural skill set and where he's best from an outsider's perspective would seem like, you know, the harder they can make it week to week. I, I think the more a guy like Fitzpatrick would would rise up the the rankings. Which I think unfortunately for him, outside of the majors, I'm I'm trying to look at like what we have coming up the rest of the year. Fitzpatrick SDN might be might be over, might, yeah. <laughs> right? Like for I the feel year, like U.S. Open could be. That's what I mean. Yeah. Outside the majors, yeah, so. outside, yeah, it's starting into summer, summer bomb, yeah. bombs away yeah. sessions here. That's can can we go through? Why don't we just do a little check in here for uh, data golf strokes gained over the last three months? It's it's kind of a it can be a weird stat in in different times of the year because people are kind of spread out all over and and whatnot. But I feel like this past three months, really, it's been two and a half. But it, I feel like that's a decent decent. Decent sample size, if you will. Who do you think leads the top, you know the whole the world in strokes gained um, over the last three months? JT. JT is third. Morikawa. How quickly we forgot about this guy a week later. Oh, Cam. Cam Smith. Okay. Cam Smith is is basically over the last three months he was basically Rom in twenty. So he did win two events in those three months. Yes. Yeah. Uh, sure. Listen, that's hand up. Probably should have got that one. Second on this list, Joaquin Neiman. Uh, third is JT. Then Scotty Scheffler, Cantlay, Rom, Matt Fitzpatrick is seventh. Victor Hovland eighth. Rory ninth. Uh, Berger tenth. And then it goes Russell Henley, Will Zalatoris, Tyrrell Hatton, Hideki, Shane Lowry, Max Homa, Billy Horschel, Tom Hoagie. It's an interesting list. That is. I mean, Dustin Johnson nowhere to be nowhere to be found on that list. Um, I mean, some some decent sized names are pretty far down as far as you know. We're, for this being this far into the season, like we're almost halfway through the PGA Tour season, and uh, yeah, you, you said that at the players last last week. I know Dustin had a crazy Sunday, but like, what what was he on FedEx Cup? Is was like two oh seven or something? He was two coming into yeah, the week. He was two hundred going into the week. Um, I think last last week. I don't know what he got up to after last week, but um, I mean, all the majors are are you know are come. He's one forty two now on the FedEx Cup. He'll. I think, I think he's, he's going to keep be, his card. I, I think, think he's, he's going to be there. I I have to think he'll get in the top one twenty five. <laughs> Um, he's just stay inside that top 200, get that, that PGL money. If, if they, uh, if they decide to divvy it out this year, is that a sign that you would like to uh, continue on? No, no. Before we go, <laughs> I wanted to, uh, uh, ask Randy, I, I we're kind of short on time. So just top five, uh, top five favorite Matt Neesmith facts that you have. Yeah. You are a resident oh. Neesmith guy. I know he's one of your favorites. Oh my gosh. Uh, fact number five, you went to South Carolina. No, Clemson. Uh, I think. Close, <laughs> close. Didn't he go to South Carolina? I think he went to Clemson. Uh okay. Check me on that one. Okay. While I'm giving the other facts, uh, he's very he's very blocky, which I think matches his last name. Hand like, up, whenever DJ. I see it. Hand up. He did not go to Clemson. He went to South Carolina. Fuck. Mm. You got me there. God, honestly, upset of the century <laughs> <laughs> that your fifth best fact was totally factual, Matthew D. Smith. Uh, he's very he's boxy. Um, he's 28 years old. He has not won. But my favorite fact about Matt, Matthew Neesmith is nobody knows what his his married name is now. We just we keep calling him, you know, Matthew Neesmith. 
Uh, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but what name has he taken? We don't know what his actual last name is. <laughs> In a... What is this? Five years of stupid jokes. That joke? <laughs> That's one of the stupidest jokes uh, that I've that Dude, I've heard yet. There are gonna be a lot of people that don't get it, but look it up. <laughs> I wish we had a producer right now that we could just yell at to mute your mic. Hey guys, uh, can we take that one again? <laughs> uh, I want to give a shout out to Sahith Tagala. Another top ten this week. T seven had a final uh, weekend. Sixty seven, sixty seven. Almost a almost a Mackenzie Hughes on the weekend. Stewie but. Sink. That that. You know, real quick, late real quick, career sorry, resurgence sorry. continues. <laughs> I, I'm I'm legitimately excited to see Sahith playing well. Oh, of he's, course, oh, yeah. I think that the tour is better for. It. There's his third top ten. Uh, had played had had some good results. Top ten at Sanderson had played well on the West Coast swing. Nice to see him nab a good result in Florida as well. Last last two, I think this is kind of my I'm running up against it on the Valspar, but seeing uh, Kevin Streelman and seeing Adam Hadwin both T7. I do really, really dig that this is a true like horse for course type place. It seems like, which again, going back to kind of the speed thing I was joking about, but you mentioned offhand as we were watching it, like it's, it, there it's might such be a weird flex. There might be too many tournaments when like you've won at this golf course and you just stop going back. Uh, that might be a sign that there's too many tournaments, but yeah, Streelman, Hadwin, uh, Paul Casey, I know wasn't there after Burns. a long, long week last week. Burns. Uh, it's just, it's cool to see a place where like, you know, guys of, of a bunch of different skill types really uh, tend to find it and, and play well there all the time. So look at Matt Fitzpatrick next year. I'm going to, I'm going to write that down. There, there are so many names on this leaderboard that I like don't know anything about them. Yet you knew Matthew Neesmith. Like I'm, I'm for sure. really proud of you for that. Like, one. well, I mean, I've heard of them, like guys like Austin Sutherman top 25 couldn't tell you anything tyler duncan uh luke donald was number one in the world for a while max mcgreevy like i I don't know anything about any of these guys (laughs) i don't know why you can't keep track of all 250 guys that cycle in and out of a a, a pga tour season you know you know the the sorry i keep interesting transition but we'll talk about next well that's kind of what i was going to bring up Sally and i were having an interesting conversation about some of the the davis riley matt neesmith uh things of that nature uh guys out there and and i do think golf has a way of putting almost like a it's just such an individual sport obviously that it, it has a way of almost putting like an outsized importance on a guy's personality or a guy's backstory or all of these things because you know, you get so focused on who's going to win, who the winner is, who, you know, who should all the light be shining on, uh, that other sports don't really do that. You know, I was thinking about it like with regards to baseball, Randy, right. Where it's like, uh, you know, not uh, all nine guys easily can share the spotlight or more than that. If you have guys coming off the bench, I don't need to know the backstory of a lot of these guys. I just kind of need to know like, Oh, this guy's great against left-handed pitching. Like I'm glad they're putting him in. And I almost wonder if some of the team aspects of this, like a four person team, for instance, it'd be much easier to get hyped about Davis Riley being on your team than it is about like Davis Riley winning a PJ tour event. Does that make sense? Like a million thousand percent. We are saying like, what if, if basketball was an individual sport, where would Robert Ori exist in the annals of basketball history like he wouldn't but like stepping up in big ass team moments to be this guy that when the star players are attracting all the attention at the end of the game you hit the biggest shot like that you know obviously it's not a perfect comparison but like that's the that's the idea I think behind uh what could be behind like team team golf so I I think 
that's that's a good point. And just to pick at the baseball analogy, DJ, you know, um, I'm thinking of like starting pitchers and, and Tolly too, right? Everybody needs a fifth starter. And so, you know, hey, he's our fifth starter. So how does he compare against other fifth starters? It'd be so helpful, I think, to compare some of these guys and like, hey, he's our fourth golfer. Oh, shit, like Davis Riley. He's really good for a fourth golfer, you know. Um, just just having a little bit of context and being able to like place guys in cohorts like that, I think would be, yes, like you said, like it, it would help me like place them in this big wide golf universe and i think so much of this this is a fool you know foolish way to look at it obviously but it's just the way it is is like tiger has ruined so many things about an individual sport right where it's like you know they're they're talking about today and i don't fault them for saying this on the broadcast but like oh sam burns and davis riley like could we be looking at the future of golf here they're gonna have many battles and i'm like what are we talking about like <laughs> i mean maybe like but then it's just in your head you're almost like well fuck man is davis riley gonna go win like nine majors 10 majors 11 majors and who knows maybe he very much may i would say it would be unlikely but maybe he will but in your head you're just kind of almost like well if he's not like that guy like eh, i don't I don't really care, right? And how many Phil Tiger duels have we been privileged to over the years? <laughs> yeah, I was joking with Solly. I think I, I've heard so many people say that. I, I want to start keeping track of uh, we're going to have a lot of great battles in future years comments because I don't know if that ever actually comes to fruition. But I, if there is another great Sam Burns Davis Riley battle, someone please alert me that down, would be down the line. Fantastic. You guys ready to talk about uh, Live Under Par Golf? <laughs> sure. I think it's about that time. Um, Live Golf announced several uh, events. This has been a long week, man. It, it, I can't believe. We might have to start doing, like, semi-weekly shows. I, I think we sometimes we it times out really good to wait until Sunday uh, to do the show, but this feels like ancient news now as we get to it here on Sunday. But it was good. I, I almost, like, fired off a bunch of tweets this week and did a bunch of reaction stuff. That I was like, you know what? I'm just going to – let me just sit with this for a minute and collect my thoughts. Uh, so I've, I'm – I'm glad to to wait. Do do you do want the to kick us show. off then, or you want to? No, no, no. Okay. Let's start with the facts. Start with, start with <laughs> what what did not. we know and when did we know it? <laughs> so I believe this was Wednesday. Now comes out that the uh, not the SGL as they've made clear in in interviews this week. Uh, the Live Golf Invitational uh, announced several events. Eight events. Seven uh, you know locations have been named. We'll get to those in a second. But total prize purse for the eight events will reach an unprecedented two hundred and fifty five million. Dollars, which a quick pause just to point out the absurdity of eight events for two hundred fifty-five million, and we don't know who is playing in any of them. Like that's that's absolutely could incredible. Be, could be you? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> the first seven of, uh, regular season events will carry a total purse of twenty-five million dollars, comprised of twenty million in individual prizes. Uh, all players in the field will earn a share, and five million dollars for the top three teams. Uh, following the first seven events, an individual champion will be crowned, offering a total purse of $30 million for the top three individuals of the season. The season-ending eighth event will be a team championship that will provide $50 million in total prize funds. Uh, shall we do the location of these events? First one scheduled. We have uh, we, 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 we were adamant about this, and I, I want to go back to Riviera Week, which when people were starting to call this thing dead in the water – we raised our hands and screamed it from the rooftops that we could say, they're going to do these events. Like, they don't know who's going to play in them. Yes, like all these guys are saying they're not going to. They're giving very 
kind of soft statements to say they're not going to, but these events are going to happen. <laughs> Randy was out there flying the banner. <laughs> he said, we killed it. <laughs> we, we rocked him. Uh, June 9th will be the first event. This will be opposite uh, the John Deere Classic. Hate that. The week before. Is that right? No, that's not right. This is I'm sorry. This is opposite the RBC, RBC Canadian, Canadian Open. Hate that as well. Hate that as well. Hate that even, maybe even more for yeah. French Especially the North. Coming off a couple years delayed, Canadian Open's got some energy. Anyways. That's a, that's a national open. Yeah, that sucks. This will be held at the Centurion Golf Club in London. I've heard this place stinks. Um, <laughs> heard Centurion it's Lounge. Horribly waterlogged <laughs> for most of the year. And like for the summer months, uh, that's the only time you can play it. And uh, that they're, they're coming in and doing that on June 9th. Otherwise, other than that, I'm super excited about the course lineup they have here. The next week is also. I just keep laughing about poor. I've called it Richard Harvest Farms, Uh, (laughs) which we'll get to. But that's that's been kind of derailing me all week. Uh, July 1st is an event at Pumpkin Ridge in Portland. This is uh, a theme we'll see here is Pumpkin Ridge is owned by Escalante Golf. The next event is July 29th at Trump Bedminster in New Jersey. And then we have a decent layoff. We're back at the International in Boston, also owned by Escalante. Got also got a great membership uh, kind of progression there over the last couple of years, if you want to dive in and read about that. Then going to Rich Harvest Farms in Chicago. Just outside. Uh, just outside of Chicago. The only note I wrote here was LMAO. Uh, <laughs> just a comical golf course that includes, I think they, the college event there, they had an AstroTurf tee box out there and also a couple of shots where you hit over hedges. Oh, uh, yeah. It's it's a ridiculous, ridiculous um, place. Amazing car collection, though, <clears throat> which seems like it would be popular with the live golf folks. October 7th, an event at, at Stonehill in Bangkok. And then the only classic course that they have in the Rota here is Royal Greens Golf Club <laughs> in Jeddah at, uh, on October 14th, uh, which is the, the penultimate event. And then corralling at the team championship October 28th, uh, which the location has not been announced yet, but... Was expecting to see Doral on this list by several reports. There's been multiple renovations made to the course that really only makes sense if you're hosting a big professional event. I don't know what the reasoning would be for not announcing that yet. Maybe they're worried about not getting to the eighth event and don't want to deal with the em- embarrassment of not hosting it. I don't know, but uh, I would put money on that being the final location of the final event. So, Randy, you excited to tune in on June 9th at Centurion Golf Club in London? <laughs> and for full disclosure, we don't know how or if it will be on TV. Correct. Or who's going to be playing in it? No, but I will say this. The Escalante courses I expect to stand and deliver. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Any surprises in the list? People won't even understand that one either, but I encourage you to look it up. Well, I've heard some, you know, obviously some rumblings that the Pumpkin Ridge folks aren't overly excited uh, about hosting one of these events. Yeah, it just, it, it blows my mind that, you know, we can have a schedule, we can have purses, but we don't know who's playing in them and like pretty much anything else about them. What, I mean, what, what, what do you guys think? You spend all this time gathering your thoughts. Here. This, is, <laughs> this is your time. Yeah. And that's where I'm trying to avoid saying something other than like, it seems kind of dumb, uh, but it just seems kind of like loud and dumb. Right. Like I, I don't get how uh, I, I get the splash, I get that they're going to have a big field. I get that they're going to... Will it help to go through some of Norman's comments this week and, well, and react to that? It, it will, but I think on a macro level, like I, I, they are going to put on the events, like you said. They are going to have a field. There's no way they're going to not have 48, you know, 
professional golfers show up to go play in this thing. But I just don't get the I don't get the long view of this. I, I get the idea of, you know, he kept calling we'll get into kind of some of his podcast appearances and and stuff this week, but you know, the fact that he keeps calling them a, a startup and and all this stuff. I thought Andy Johnson had some good thoughts this week about, you know, kind of almost comparing this to startup culture a little bit in the US of we're just gonna flood you know, we're just going to flood this tour with money until, uh, you know, we can completely disrupt the existing business and then we'll slowly just kind of up our prices later on, you know, and, and, uh, kind of become what they were in the first place. And I just don't get what the long, like everybody who keeps saying like they're, they don't need any return. They're, they're good to just like light this money on fire. Like that can't be, that can't be true in perpetuity. <laughs> like stop saying that they can't just be, Oh, these thought they don't even care. They don't even care. They're just going to keep throwing money at this stuff. Like they have to get the money back in some way at some time. And I don't get how you can just like replace an entire industry like this with this thing that has no feeder system that has no infrastructure built around it at all and and not just like wind up spending exorbitant laughable amounts of money that like nobody's ever going to see again see, and, and i get all the sports washing aspects of it and that's the point that, I that's think. to a point but like also if this thing's not like uh, how's the network tv get, like in order to like sports wash you gotta need to be fucking be on tv like who's who's gonna like broadcast this stuff who's going to show up to this all these things is there's still so many unknowns that it's just hard to not uh feel like they have so wildly put the cart before the horse and everybody's gonna like end up looking very stupid but i, I could be wrong and i could be the one that ends up looking stupid well you're definitely wrong about one thing because norman went on gary williams the five clubs podcast this week and said the profitability numbers are great they, they look fantastic and <laughs> Listen, can he name any players that are playing in it? Of course not. Or sponsors or broadcast partners. Right, but that I one thing we can definitely agree on is the profitability numbers probably look great. So you cuz you don't need great players, right, to, to make this thing profitable at all. Or if that's, you know, even if that is a huge variable right now, yeah, I, I'm sure that everything looks great. Um the other aspect it, of it too, sorry, is, but to this ahead. though, like the sports washing thing, I do think there is a uh, I don't, and I don't pretend to know everything about the the sovereign wealth fund, the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia. I don't, but I do think this is a play of this is more of an expense than it is something that they are expecting a return on, at least in the short term. In the short term, yes. It, it, but what happens even, in the long term? You but, can't just like nuke but, the PGA Tour and then have but nothing. Get rid of golf. Get rid of golf out of this. It is about making it more normal, like about normalizing them being in so many different places that that. They can get corporate investment. They can make investments in other companies in the United. Like they can get their fingers in other places. They're doing a full mind. I stick my finger in there. <laughs> pretty much everywhere, and they're they're okay spending what is a very small amount of money two hundred fifty five million whatever this year. And I'm sure it's more than that that you know that they'll be spending this year. They also have a staff of like a hundred people. Right, but that, that is or still is. just pennies when it comes to their grand scheme, right? So, and that, that, that's the only way it works. But that's kind of what I'm saying is like, what's at the end of that road, though? Like, yes, I get that over the next like three years, four years, five years. But let's say you go spend a billion dollars on this thing and it turns into like, yeah, remember that league that like fucking sucked? And they went to all those like horrible golf courses and it never really got on TV. And maybe like it just turns into like 
the USFL or the XFL or one of these, and everybody's just like, yeah, no, no, those guys totally killed it, man. I take them super seriously. But I think it's like a 20-year war of, like, attrition, of just eventually, like, we're going to do all this stuff, and we're just going to wear people down, and, like, eventually people are, we're going to say I'm not a politician and all this stuff so many times that 10 years from now, like, it will be silly to ask that question, and this will just be normal now. Like, But it, that's, so that's what I'm getting at, though, is, like, is this, is the long view of this thing, 10 years from now, like, what does it look like? Is it 18 events? Is it, you know, is it, has it completely replaced the PJ tour? Is it what it, you know what I mean? Like what's, what's the vision for it? Because right now it just seems like it's very much like, yeah, no, I mean, we'll figure that out like next week. Right now we're just, we're so excited. And I think this is a, a play, like they can tell you where they want to be overall as a fund and as a country in 10 years. And this is a such a minuscule part of that that they don't have an answer for what this this league will look like in ten years. And that's kind of what I'm. I 100%. guess I'm, what, what I'm getting. This at. is a pawn. This yes. is like this is a, a a pawn in this game in some way. So like focusing on it at that level is where I don't think we're gonna find like the rationalization for this league. And that's where I think because none of this shit makes sense. No, that, that's what I'm trying to wrap <laughs> yeah. my head around, or what I'm trying to like square is like, dude, I I get the idea of a 20 year war of like public opinion. Like I, I get what they're trying to do. It just doesn't seem like this is something that is going to work for 20 years. You know what I mean? Or like at least the way they're laying it out here now is it just doesn't make any sense to me at all. But adding up, adding up this, they're the ladies of Ramco series. Uh, there's a, a F1 race in Saudi Arabia. Now they're WWE involved. And again, I don't pretend to know all of what there, there's rumors out there that they might be looking to buy formula one, for a hundred percent premium that what Liberty media bought it at. Right. So like how small of a pond does this feel like in the grand scheme of that, if they buy totally that for 16 million and that's where it's like, they're fighting this battle on many, 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 many fronts. And like some of the battles might even be distraction. Like, you know, I, I, I don't have a full explanation for it, but I know that if I'm, if we're looking at the particulars to try to like make this add up and make sense. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we're going to get there. Yeah, that's where it's almost like hard to talk about because yes, it's just it's it's very so hard. like ludicrous. It's insane. What did you? What was your takeaway from the Greg Norman car wash? I mean, was was there anything you guys learned that you didn't recognize before uh, hearing him speak? One thing that stood out again, like seems very dumb, is the. The idea that like they have they're gonna do this team championship without having any idea who the fuck is playing in these events. So the like teams e change e weekly. Every week they have the same way they have a pro am draw party. <laughs> like they're gonna have a draw for teams. So every week the teams are gonna be different. And all of these things are just like, well, I mean, we're a startup, you know, we're just we're just moving so fast. Like, wait, well, maybe you don't have to. Like, who's asking for this? Who's asking you to do this? And it's just like everything else in golf seems like it's going to be built for you know, just on this like caffeine fueled, caffeine probably being generous fueled, uh, you know, idea of like what executives, what kind of parties executives like to go to and all of, all of them being like, yeah, the sponsors will love going to like a draw party every week. Like, look at how much fun they have at the pro-am party. It's like, yo, there's no interest in the pro-am. Like nobody gives a shit about this stuff. And it just kind of, it goes back to the Davis Riley, Matt Neesmith, you know, kind of player four conversation is like, I think the only way that works in team golf is if Davis Riley is like your number four guy every week, right? Like I yeah, would, guy I would for a whole, for a whole season. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. You, you just, you can't 
God damn. Imagine, like, if you think golf is cumbersome and, like, hard to follow now, imagine every week trying to figure out, like, oh, so-and-so is on a team. Like, I can't wait to root for that team. And then how does, like, the ownership of teams is a whole financial aspect of, of this model that I think actually does make sense and I think actually could help support some of these exorbitant purses. But, like, how do you sell a team as a franchise if it's changing every week is a whole thing. It's just, I like, don't think that's whole, even part of their model. That's it? what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, the whole thing just, like, at every turn seems like it is the opposite of what I – I'm speaking not as a, like, I, I as – I am speaking as a business moron here. I have no idea, like, the financial aspects of any of this. But as a golf fan, like, this could not be less of what I'm interested in seeing. Yeah. I want to hand up – not asking for this. This is not what I want. Please stop this idea. That's what I wanted to point out. And we're going to get to a more PGL fronted discussion on the back end of this. But I can't think of more polar opposite approaches in if you and if you we've shouted this out many times. If you want to go back to November, I think it's episode 498 that we did with Andy Gardner of the Premier Golf League. We spent two and a half hours talking about the structure of this league and it it was extreme from my mind from where i'm sitting it was extremely thoughtful on how this will be additive and entertaining for golf fans and that was the root of it are the people involved set to make a lot of money off of it of course am i like i'm not naive enough to believe that this is just a fairy tale that you know is as meant to save all of the golf fans here like of course the interested people here plan to make money off of it but like here is blah 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 of how this makes sense for entertainment value of it I don't hear any of that coming from this other than like, even if you ask Norman, if you look at the way Norman spoke about the league this week, it is about creating economic opportunities for the players. And he's viewing this from the player's perspective. I've always believed that players are independent contractors. They can, they have the right to go realize the full market value of their golf game, blah, blah, blah. DJ just almost fell asleep as I was saying that. Like it, it, it's not interesting to golf fans if you don't package this with a story behind it and a reason to get behind it. And they don't even like pretend to care about that to that point. I mean, he did two full, I listened to two full interviews. He did at no point did they approach it from any perspective. If fans want this, or here's how we're going to present it to fans or it, it none of that, it, it couldn't be more polar opposite in terms of like what they want to get out of it versus where this like idea stemmed from, which is, you know, from the proposal from the premier golf league two over two and a half years ago that it came into, you know, public attention. But what got me from the jump is he compared the Live Golf League or whatever to what Berger and JT did at the Ryder Cup on the first tee. And then he, like, shit on the President's Cup along the way. He's like, look, I've been, I've, I've been in President's Cups, but, like, that didn't compare to the first tee at the Ryder Cup. And I'm like, holy shit, is the comp here, like, does the ranking system go, like, Ryder Cup, Saudi League, and then way down his President's Cup? Does he think he could just, like, bypass all of that from the jump? Well, I know you hate him coming after the President's Cup, and, and I was sorry that you <laughs> that you did have to hear that. But especially in a President's Cup year, <laughs> exactly, exactly, year of our Lord, twenty twenty two, a President's Cup year. I don't. The whole thing just seems like so half baked, right? In in that, uh, it takes me a lot back to when we talked about the we did the Breakaway Tours podcast, right? And Norman's thing in 94 where he did the press conference before he talked to any of the players. Just, like, assuming how they were all feeling is like, oh, no way. Like, that's the same guy? Like, who would have possibly guessed? <laughs> well, no, we don't have a media deal. We don't know who any of the players are. Uh, and we don't really know if fans are going to like it. But I think it's not overstating to say it's going to be the best thing to ever happen to the sport is basically where we're at right now. And, like, yeah, hey, man, like, something's like, I don't know, man. Something's not really adding up here. Like, wow, 
why would this m- amount of money be available here? Like, okay, can we talk about where the money's coming from? I, I don't, I don't want to get into that. I'm just not a politician. I don't want to do a pol- political discussion here. Um, we're, and I'll, I'll read the quote exactly. And I want to give a huge shout out to Gary Williams, who asked a lot of really good and pointed questions. And he didn't belabor the point when it was determined that he wasn't going to get his answers, but found a way in of, you know, making sure that this presentation, he's obviously on a media tour, present, in that presentation, it needs to include the challenges and the, his answers to these difficult questions. Otherwise, it's PR, and it's not telling the full story behind it. And it's not an easy thing for him to do, and he did that. And the I thought with the the ego that is around Greg Norman and the things he's tried to say in the past of like, oh, you don't understand, they're evolving over there. Women can eat in restaurants. They're not wearing you know headwear and all this stuff. I thought with all the time they've taken for him to go on his press tour that he would have a better answer prepared than this. So... Um, you know, he fell back. This came from, I forget where I pulled this from. I think a golf channel summary of it, but he said, we're not a political organization and what we've done and what the PIF have done. We just work on behalf of political organizations (laughs) (laughs) and what we've done and what the PIF have done and what Saudi Arabia has done. Like I said to you before, golf is good for the world and golf is good with Saudi Arabia. Okay. Um, my passion for the game of golf and growing the game of golf is my priority. This is all about the game of golf and growing the game of golf. I'm not even going to go down that path of trying to get in a political discussion about it. I'm focused on growing the game of golf the best way I possibly can. End of story. Which, in his, that's definitely when you know it's the end of the story is when the person that doesn't answer the question just <laughs> says, stands up and says, end of story. It's like the Jay Monahan uh, press conference. Yeah, we're moving forward. We're moving on. We're, moving we're on. not even talking about that anymore. We're moving uh, on. First question, it's about Saudi Arabia. Um, he continues, what happened to the journalist Khashoggi is reprehensible. There's not a person on this planet that wouldn't say the same thing. Didn't really follow up on that after that. And then from my perspective, I'm not getting into this political dialogue. I'm staying focused on what I'm doing and growing the game of golf. Which not to be like trite, but if anybody could follow up on like like what what are yeah. you what are you talking about growing the game how who the fuck said that <laughs> uh, but it, yeah and what are your goals for growing the game yeah like, what 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 is what does success growing the game look like in two years five years ten years Wait, like weird. let's let's pull on that thread a little just hearing if anybody would be like craven enough to kind of say. Like, oh, no, when I say growing the game, what I mean is, like, paying top players more. Yeah. At least, like, shine a light on what we're what we're talking about here, man. And the only thing I would have added on, and, I, again, I'm giving Gary a lot of credit, the only thing I would have asked, like, just to kind of needle him a little bit more or find another way around some of these answers is, like, what what is your compensation for this, Greg? Like, what you're, you're, you want to fall back. If you want to fall back on I am doing this to grow the game, tell, like, do it for free then. Do it for no money. <laughs> yeah, we know what the case is here. Like you know we know you're getting paid an enormous amount of money for this. Like don't try to pretend that you are trying to do this to grow the game. If he stand up and said like they've offered me a great amount of money to to pursue this opportunity for them, I would respect that a whole heck of a lot more than I care that much about growing the game. Like get out of here. So he was asked about, you know, what players are going to be involved. He said he sent the letter to 250 players just before the announcement. Uh, I compiled these notes as a combination of his interviews with the five clubs podcast with Gary Williams and golf subpar uh, with Colt Nost and uh, the sleaze Drew Stoltz. Uh, he said, he sent the letter to 250 players just before the announcement. We'll see what their responses are to the invitation near and dear to my heart, because I'm giving the players an opportunity to maximize their true market value. Uh, they'll announce the names closer to June when they have the, the, the 48 players in place, I guess. So did you hear his thing? 
this was kind of sick. And this was the only time I think my ears perked up was uh, when they asked, uh, I believe this was on the subpar podcast, but when they asked what happens if more than 48 players want to play, like how will you decide who the 48 are? And he said, it's a combination of OWGR and me, uh, <laughs> which I think is, <laughs> if he's hand, hand picking these players, uh, okay, all right. I'm a little more interested in that. And before we get in, uh, I think this is apt. You know, I, this is not intentional how we time this. And, uh, you know, we have a lot more to get in this subject. I don't want to say the Cash App is, you know, the sponsor of the All Things Live Golf discussion here, but we do need to, to mention here that our Cash App uh, is the easiest way to send, spend, and save your money. You can send or request money at, from friends and family when they owe you money for dinner, et cetera, things like that. You can settle your golf bets in stock. You can settle them in Bitcoin yet. Have you guys made the jump yet? Uh, not yet. Okay. No, it's on my list. Okay. Please. Randy, have you made the jump into the Bitcoin yet? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, your cash app, it comes with a debit card. You can customize and cash app. Laser prints it for you, mails it to you. comes with free discounts on places you love. Those are called boosts. And you can use referral code no laying up when you sign up for cash app. Gives you $15 straight off the bat. And cash app sets aside $10 for each sign up. Goes straight to youth on course. That they are supporters of junior golf. They pay for rounds of golf for junior golfers. Basically, the more people using code no laying up when signing up for Cash App, not only are you getting $15, but you are helping to support junior golf, paying for a round of golf. So Cash App, get a cash tag. We're going to be sending some money you guys way uh, in April as well. But you got to have a cash tag. Get signed up. I, I, read, I read somewhere this week that the only use case for Bitcoin or cryptocurrency is solely to sell it to somebody else. That's more. That's more NFT. We let's we'll sidebar on that discussion here. It has a lot of okay. function. You're, you're, I don't like where you're going with that. I, don't, <laughs> I will. There'll be no more no slander of that on this podcast. Uh, it's the future. Um, and selling drugs and human trafficking, Randy. Don't forget about that. Oh yeah, sure. If you want to do anything illegal <laughs> or just sell it to somebody else, sure. Yeah, because fiat currencies don't do that at all, and, and and no way has that ever happened. One of the many questions that is outstanding on this, which obviously there was not much of an answer given to us, but you know, uh, he was asked about like players only getting three releases. Like, how will that work? And Norman's answer was just like, at the end of the day, it's up to the player. It's like I actually don't think it is. I think that's kind of the whole point. Is uh, well, also the three releases. They yeah, there was a lot of assumptions made that like, oh, players get three releases, so they should only be able to play three live events. Which like, I don't think the tour has ever granted a release. No, inside the United event. States against a, an existing PJ Tour event. So, uh, yeah. Within the city limits, that, that ain't legal either, dude. Yeah, it, uh, it at the end of the day, is most definitely not up to the player, I think, is the point. And uh, missed among the discussion of, you know, Jay Monahan is saying you got, he's going to ban you guys. Like, obviously, Norman shares what he believes to be a very different opinion on that. Uh, missed among this discussion is like, you know, and all this talk about independent contractors and all this stuff is like, he's I believe players should have the rights to play wherever they want. And I think... The, sc the point that like just needs screamed is like the players have every right to go play the live golf invitational tour every right what they don't what the PGA tour is saying they don't have the right to do is go play that tour and also play on the PGA tour which is an important distinction that I think is uh, the more I'm real the more time goes by the more I'm realizing maybe people are not making that distinction or the this campaign or whatever you want to call it is trying to blur the line as to what that difference actually is yeah and I think that what is most interesting about this schedule coming together and there being an event in what a couple months here is, you know, everybody has kind of said how the legal aspects of this are going to loom large and it's going to trigger these anti-competitive lawsuits and all of those things. And I, I think getting an answer 
to those questions is like a massive, massive domino to fall so that we can finally start to get some clarity on what the hell is going to happen in the world of, of pro golf. Cause I think that's kind of like what has held everything up, right? It's like, nobody quite knows what's going to happen there. And I, I don't know if that's a long process. I would imagine so. Or if, I, I don't know what happens in the immediate. Is there some player that's kind of in limbo that says, you know, the PJ tour says, Hey, you don't have a release for this. And he says, cool, I'm going to go anyway. Uh, what, what happens there? It's just, it's going to be a very interesting couple of very interesting couple weeks, months leading up to this thing and just seeing who steps out as, you know, probably having inked a deal with these guys to go to all these events. Does Phil play? I think we already forgot about like the whole Phil aspect of this, but like, is he play these events where, you know, all these guys who pledge their fealty to the PJ tour, are any of them going to change once, you know, this money actually starts hitting people's bank accounts. And once, you know, this is the example that everybody's used, but, you know, you had Coke, some Coke Rex yacht. <laughs> well, the Coke Rex yacht conundrum. Yeah. But, but even more than that, I mean, you have like, let's say, you know, Coke Rack is, is still like a multiple time PJ tour winner. Like, let's say you have, you know, some Asian tour guys who have never beaten anybody over here. You have, you know, some young college players or players coming out of college that have no status that want to play these events this summer or something like that. When, you know, some of these top guys see, like we, we made such a big deal about the, the players being the highest money golf tournament in the history of the world. Well, now there's eight of them <laughs> this year that are the same size or bigger. And the the idea of these guys kind of totally sitting those out as quote unquote lesser, you know, lesser accomplished players go and, and hoover up all that money is, is going to test, uh, test some of the strong words that we heard through the notes app uh, <laughs> over the past couple months. And that's where it's like, if we're playing, if we're gaming this out, right, it is, all right, I'm Xander, I am Bryson, I am DJ, I, and I'm, I probably shouldn't throw Xander in that group. I'm just saying, like, all these guys that are kind of just at least have an eye on it at minimum, be whoever it may be. Looking at it like, I don't, I'm not going to be on this first leap. I, I can't do that, right? But I'm going to watch Kurt Kitayama, and again, I have no idea if that's a, a rumored name or not, but let's just throw out a name that's like an American player that plays in Europe that, you know, is kind of fighting for scraps and starts all over the place. If he just goes and does it and wins the first tournament and wins like $4 million or whatever it is, and he is the one that is trying to, you know, have files an injunction or whatever it is to get back on the PGA Tour, and I don't know what happens in limbo of that. Do you get to keep playing until it clears the courts? Are you banned from playing until it clears the courts? I would think so. I think the tour would stop you from entering the tournament, saying you're not, no longer a part of this organization, and you can fight it out for as long as you want. I think the top guys are going to just watch how that plays out, watch the public perception they're going to be counting on a whole lot of stuff like what Norman did this week that basically that they're just going to wear people down and the you know the the negative attention around it just slowly wanes week by week by week by week people stop asking about the sports washing and the human rights thing and you know in a year maybe 2 years from now does it make a lot more sense for Lee Westwood and and once Stenson has done his captaincy in the Ryder Cup which was news this week that he signed a contract with the DP World Tour to basically not go to the Saudis now. Does that change the picture? I think it, it's I, I'm super keen to see who the brave warriors are going to be on that front line, but I don't think it's going to be the names that we had rumored as of a few weeks ago because I think Phil scared the shit out of everybody. Randy, any thoughts on any of that? Uh, so many thoughts, but I guess just quickly or more briefly i i just the i'm not a politician stuff is really insulting i think these people 
I don't know if they just truly want to hide behind that or they think we're all very stupid, but we know you're not a politician. Uh, it's, it's like not even, That's no one's not asking what we're you, confusing if, you for here. <laughs> yeah. You're nobody's asking if you're a politician. I mean, I'm sure these people have opinions on other political matters that they might be very happy to share. Uh, it just, I, I don't know. I, I hope when these players do inevitably make the jump and some of the bigger ones, uh, and there is some backlash amongst the public, you know, if I hear the word like cancel or uh, what's another go, like it's going to drive me freaking bonkers uh because just as they have the right to play anywhere in the world and make the most money well i i have the right to think it's really pretty shitty and maybe i'll tell you that via twitter you know um i it, it's just going to be a fascinating dynamic to see how this all plays out uh the the most cynical parts of me the last thing you said probably would be my guess how it goes in that yeah, we're all just going to like, there's going to be a little to do at first and then we're all just going to move on and life's going to continue on. And, you know, where that leaves us in a year, two years, three years, five years, uh, I don't really know exactly. But if if there are this amount of big money tournaments to be had, then there's no doubt in my mind they're going to attract a full field of golfers eager to play for that money. I just don't want to, I don't want to operate and obviously neither of you are doing this, but what I, what worries me a little bit is almost operating under the assumption that this is going to be a good product. You know what I mean? Like there's so much talk on like, Oh my, it's so much money. It's so much money. It's so much money. I'm like, well, it's probably based on everything I've heard, at least at first going to be like really shit players playing at really shit golf courses, probably on a really shit production that has like never done golf before. And it's, it's like, why like that doesn't the purse like doesn't make it good like i don't uh, again i feel like i'm hearkening back to some of our you know before the uh before retiring from the coverage takes uh type moments is like yo i don't please know that like i don't have to watch this like nobody has to watch this and it might be like absolutely horrid and that that with their entire attitude about this just like we got done saying it like it just seems like it is putting fans at the absolute bottom of the scrap heap here and just like taking so much for granted to where it's like, yo, know, the Valspar that was bordering on the, you know, for speaking honestly here, it was a great finish. Sam Burns, congratulations. That's that's bordering on, on the, uh, you know, the precipice of being a pretty fucking bad product. If we're, if we're being real, real honest, I thought the players was great. Not, I, I, I'll, I'll interject and say uh, bad maybe, but just, a product that nobody really needs. Yes, unnecessary. That's that's what I'm trying like, to say. Uh, uh, an, an unimportant product, and that is like going to be twenty times better than what we're looking at here. At least at the at the outset. That's what the huge, <laughs> enormous problem with. I mean, I hate to even giving it this much credence. But like the bullshit spray of like growing the game is like you're fracturing the golf world. Yes, like at best you're fracturing it. Like it's not good for the long term sustainability of the game of golf. It's it's absolutely not all right. You, there is there's no possible way that like fans come out better for this. And I know there's a small amount of people out there that say, "Oh, the more competitive golf, the better." It's like the more competitive golf with the best golfers spread out in other places <laughs> is not better. Like it's just not. And that goes to, like if you really love the underdog stories, 
You better have not have been fucking watching March Madness this week. You better have been watching Matthew Neesmith Smith try to win that tournament, right? Yeah, totally. I stole that one from DJ earlier. Uh, he, was, he was supposed to get that one out earlier. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. We man. can continue it, here. I mean, there's with just more crazy stuff. He said eighty-seven percent of the support uh, of the comments about Phil since his incident have been in support of him during this dark time. He's got eighty-seven percent online support, which. Uh, yeah, I think we can we can for sure just take those numbers at face value. Um, <laughs> don't believe every everything you read out there because you're hearing opinions on zero knowledge of what the business model is all about. And I'm ta- <laughs> we don't even have a business yeah. model. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm talking world class players. Yeah, I mean it's kind it kind of comes with you know just blowing smoke up players' asses for the last several months. I think probably contributes to a lot of that. I put a call into Jay. I've tried to reach for him for over a year. He's just said no. I don't want to meet. They kind of stole that one from the PGL too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got we got some we got some questions from listeners. You want you want to go through some of these, please? He uh, from Drew Cecil. He says Greg mentioned on five clubs that live won't have OWGR points on day one. Could the OWGR block them from getting certified? Um, I believe he mentioned that they may not have them by the first event. When asked if they're going to have OWGR, of course the answer was yes. Of, co- of course, maybe the best OWGR points you've ever seen. Definitively said yes. We're going to have OWGR. I'd have to familiarize myself completely with the process, but I believe it's something along the lines. Correct me if I'm wrong, Deej, where it is a two-year process for uh, from submitting approval to getting approved for OWGR points. I think the, the way, yeah, the pre they their back way in might be the PGA tour bypassed that for PGA tour China through some kind of manipulation on at the board level and got them immediate uh, world ranking points, which I think they may be able to, I don't know, legally say like, all right, well we need it. Cause you did that for PGA tour China, but I think that's right. Okay. That's how I understand it. But uh, they, they definitely would know a lot better than we would. If he's saying that they may not have him by the first event, that's probably pretty telling as far as what the timeline won't be. I don't think if they don't have it by the first one, I don't think they'll have it by the second one. Right. He was asked if he'd spoken to the majors. He said he'd only spoken to one of them. That was kind of shocking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the members of his staff uh, had spoken to the others. I believe he said it. It, it that almost makes me think that they're kind of rushing this thing. Almost <laughs> like I, I don't. I don't. I haven't gotten all the way there yet. But uh, which again, I, I keep coming back to like, what is the the rush on this? Like, why, man. Well, I, I don't, I don't get it unless it is just like kind of a dumb plan, and that's where I, I think we're going to talk a lot of PGL stuff as well. Yeah. Strap in, but that's I, I think what's almost been kind of, uh, probably kind of maddening from a like I want everything to happen as fast as possible uh, perspective and and the world that we live in now, but also almost kind of impressive where it's like, man, they seem like they're on no timetable at all. Just like, oh yeah, you guys want to do all this work for us and figure out what's going to happen with players and anti-competitiveness and all that stuff. Like, yeah, cool. We'll be, we'll be over here. Like, good luck. Big takeaway from this week. And I, I know this picture is, and we're going to try to paint it as best as we can. I know for people that aren't as familiar with the situation, it's, it's maybe hard to see it this way. And I might be wrong on this, but I, I feel quite strongly that the developments of this past week, the schedule rolling out, the money being officially put up by this SGL helps the PGL so much. I think it, and I'll get it, we'll get into why, but I, I, I strongly believe that. Do you, do you agree with that sentiment? I, yeah, I do agree. Uh, I, I think to, to a point, right? Like I, I don't want to underestimate the, the soullessness and the dumbness of the times in which we live also right in in that there could be like we could be sitting here a year from now and this event 
series could go off with a without a hitch and every big name jumps and it just becomes like the world that we live in now and and i'm not discounting that happening it's it's shockingly possible i think i just think that would be i would be a significantly less of a golf fan sitting here at at this point next year and i would have unless something drastically changed next to no interest in actually watching that from week to week i think it would only make the majors better i'd be more you know pumped to watch watch the four majors but i i would agree that i think the the pgl is helped in all this but i also could see it you know i'm not trying to waffle but i also could see where you know this big dumb loud barrel of money outweighs everything else but i think the best you know Players know that they're going to be making on the side a sacrifice on their endorsements, at least initially, on if they're joining this league. I don't think they're they're. I mean, RBC takes their logo off DJ when he goes and plays a Saudi international. Like it's not going to translate completely. Yet, if there is a huge dumb pile of money also that has a model that works within the PGA Tour and works for all PGA Tour members, like so, we have this one. We have thing one right now, which is PGA Tour. Thing two is this huge pile of money with live golf tour, whatever you want to call it. If players are really allured to thing two there, now all of a sudden thing one PGA tour with a bolstered amount of money added on to it, especially for the top players that would be jumping all of a sudden that is a huge card to be played for players to be like, like go, go match this model. Like they're putting up all this money. It's dumb money. And I don't want to be involved with the Saudis, but like, we will if you don't come match this model. And it's going to be put to the hands of the PGA Tour players eventually, and that's a, a, a important thing we're going to lay out with the PGL, to like vote and decide on whether or not they want to take, or at least start listening to this model that could prevent pr- provide them so many things that the Saudi League would offer, yet also you know be not completely reprehensible, and also have a model that works very, very well for golf fans. And also not like completely gut pro golf right Correct. and completely splinter pro golf and fracture pro golf yes uh do we want to just get into the the pgl news of the week here? couple couple things um that just that kind of caught my eye about norman saying many of the top uh single digit players in the world responded to his email right away saying how excited they were for the news to come out um uh, super curious about if that is true or who those people are and then there was a uh, couple other questions uh, <laughs> On Live Golf, Michael. Can I, P- can I just rattle off those names real quick? John, John Rom, Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland, Patrick Cantlay, Scotty Scheffler, Cam Smith, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Xander Shoffley, Dustin Johnson. Which of those guys? Multiple of those guys immediately emailed back saying, "Like, wow, this all looks awesome. I'm so pumped." I, I, you know, I just I might not be buying that one. I, I DJ would be the most intrigued, but there's no way he's emailing. That's that's my uh, <laughs> that would be my answer to that. Dustin Johnson. Um, 69 at yahoo.com against the wind 89 asked have you put in a request to interview norman since he started a mini press tour did he slash live decline we have put a request in i feel less urgency to have him on since gary's podcast i mean there's not a whole lot more on top of what he asked that i would want to ask and i i don't necessarily think i'd want to you know kind of i'd have a i wouldn't be able to hold it in professionally as well as he did probably in terms of accepting some of those answers I, that's a compliment to gary that's not a shot at all i i don't think i could sit i'd, I'd be like that's bullshit and then this one we've got to get to this one we, you may have already answered this one dj but uh michael b fairy somewhat troll question but genuinely cur- curious on a scale of one to Firefest, where do you think live golf winds up that's a really good so question cool if it was Firefest. it would 
And that's what I'm, I, I, yeah, I have nothing like personal against any of the people involved in this. I'm just, I, I keep saying like as a golf fan and as someone who flips on the TV to watch golf, like, yo, this is not what I'm looking for, man. And I, I hope fingers crossed that it like spectacularly fails. I hope everybody from the executive level to the players, to the golf courses, I hope everybody who is willing to look the other way on what this is gets fucking decimated. <laughs> fingers crossed that, that like people get completely aired out and caught with their pants down on, on. And I hope this thing like really goes up in flames would be great for me. Randy, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, that's the hope I I'll say DJ's a little nicer. Like I, before this, I might not have had anything like personal against these people working for Live Golf and trying to bring through it. But I say like they're not anybody I have that much respect for. Um, I, I don't think it's gonna blow up right at first. I, I think maybe XFL, you know, big hype on event one, and slowly everybody just kind of like loses interest, and then by year two, it it kind of goes away it would be where i might see it but you can never discount having limitless cash to burn uh to try to make it work so it it may hang on longer than i think i i, I don't know I, I do i do not know i don't think I, I maybe i'm taking this very literally when it comes to firefest like operationally I, it is hard to put on a golf tournament but i think they could do that part they yeah, no, put it on like the golf tournament. Ramped up and hired yeah. people and did all the things. They that have agencies that will yeah, yeah. run the tournament. Like, totally. I don't mean that they're going to show up and that you know players are going to be sleeping in you know in wet mattresses and and, and in tents. Like I think, I think they can host the tournament. <laughs> so sick. God, that'd be so sick. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's let's transition here to, and talk some about uh, P, the PGL, which I think we would have wanted to discuss regardless of whether or not there was news that came out this week. But there was news. Uh, that came out this week, which was quickly kind of put to the back page after. Uh, so this came out on Tuesday night. A letter from the World Golf Group to Roy McElroy was released to the public. Uh, the Morning Read at SI and the Fire Pit Collective released it on Tuesday night. Uh, it is a letter from the, uh, the the chairman of the board, I think, for the World Golf Group, Robert Maddock. Is that right? Roger. Uh, I think. Roger yeah. Maddock. Was sent to Rory and, and, and by proxy sent to the entire board of the PGA Tour. Uh, it says that World Golf Group uh, states it believes the PGL will generate $10 billion of equity value by 2030, which would equate to $20 million per PGA Tour voting member and $3 million per Corn Ferry member. So and just it, to break that down, because that's that's a quick, easy to gloss over a lot of these numbers. The $10 billion of equity, basically the PGL has said in their hopes to partner with the PJ tour rather than be a competitor with the PJ tour with, which I think we can unpack in a minute here. They want to hold back half of that equity and give it directly to players. Right. And so I don't know if you have this later in the notes, but essentially what that money would be the, you know, 20 million, uh, Oh, sorry. You keep, keep going. Cause okay. you have the cash cash payments coming out here shortly. Correct. So in addition, the proposal includes a cash advance on future equity of $460 million dollars, in simple terms, each of the 200 voting members of the PGA Tour would receive $2 million upon the launch of the PGL, with 200 Corn Ferry members each getting $300,000. Do you want to talk about some of that before we get into some of the, the reporting that came out this No, week? you mentioned it can be a little confusing what the cash is, but it would essentially be borrowed from future equity. It would be yeah. a, whole, a whole other conversation. But I think what's really interesting about this and just something to hold in mind, and maybe it's better talked about or expanded upon at the end, 
is that 200 players, 200 PGA Tour players, 200 Corn Ferry Tour players, that changes on the calendar year, right? Or the change, or on the you know the end of the season, right? Like, I don't want to say there should be like a sense of urgency because I don't really you know care when it happens, and it doesn't seem like the PGL cares when it happens. But man, if I was like number one fifty to number two hundred uh, on either of those lists, I'd be pretty pretty interested in like, hey man, maybe we should take a look at this now rather than Let's next at year. Least look at it because uh, if the door closes, like if I'm number two hundred one next year, then I'm not part of, you know, potentially $20 million in equity or $2 million in cash. And I think that's an important, important thing to to think about here because we had Andy on the podcast in November. As we mentioned, it took over two hours to talk about all the intricacies and we could probably, I'm not exaggerating, do another five. And maybe we will at some point. But in that, he laid out exactly what would have to happen for the next steps, right? They originally had a model. The PGL had a model that involved a total breakaway. They had investment from the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia. They had received, uh, they were told by agents or whatever that may be that they needed to get a huge fund of a billion dollars. That's when Saudi Arabia came into the picture, et cetera. Once they kind of realized and recognized that they had a huge chicken and egg problem. Again, Andy talked about a lot of this on the podcast they revisited their model to say to work with the PGA Tour. And he says in the podcast as well, believe me or not, you know, he seems very truthful when he says, I don't care if you believe me or not. But like our goal from the beginning was to work with the PGA Tour. And they've just had extreme difficulty getting in the doors, which I understand from the tour's perspective. But revisited the model and redrafted it to have this uh, equity this equity model. More than just having all this upfront cash and a true breakaway league, it's like let's make – PGA Tour Inc. Uh, equity holders in World Golf Group, which is the premier golf league. Am I saying that right? I think so. And I, I think that was, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's kind of was the feedback that he got from a lot of top players as well, right? It was like after they had kind of raised the billion dollars and said, all right, we're going to do these big one-time payments. I think the feedback was a little bit more like, no, 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 we'd rather have like equity in in the league and in the teams and in, in all these other things. And also one of the problems being like for the top 48 guys, that breakaway was going to be great yet. They're looking at guy next to him. That's 10 behind him in the world rankings. And you know, like, like, like I'm really sorry, but I got like basically having trouble screwing over a lot of their peers was a, a, when you're trying to get 48 guys to jump all at once and have all the broadcasts and everything like timed up. It was just too much to try to do all at once, which is why we're going to again. We're going to see the S, the live golf be yeah. really weird in the beginning because they're not going to get forty eight top players to jump all at once. So basically, they have a model that has been poor. I want I want to get into kind of this was in the fire pit collective, and this is a, a statement from Kevin Kisner. That said, uh, they're who's on the uh, policy board? Who's member. on the policy board yeah. of, the, of the PGA Tour? Correct. Uh, he said their proposal, he means the PGL, has been studied and scrutinized by an independent company to test its viability. Uh, the results were presented to us, uh, to all of us, not feasible. Um, and then this is a, also from the Fire Pit article. It says a PGL investor who would speak only anonymously strongly disagrees with the analysis, saying money is not an issue. We see how much of it is trying to enter the golf world. There's plenty of cash on the sidelines, as we have witnessed. You don't think all these private equity guys wouldn't love a piece of a PGL franchise. Uh, and a different source close to the PGL says they don't have our model, so I don't know what they audited. We, on the other hand, have had our model audited by multiple financial institutions and industry experts and know it's not only viable but conservative. For PGA Tour players, the answer is this. Let us take you through the model. If it isn't viable, what do you have to lose? 
So basically, uh, you know, the, the tour has either told players they've audited it or have audited something and they don't have the financial report from our, and full disclosure with all this as well, we have spent hours and hours and hours uh, speaking with Andy and other people involved with the PGL over the last several weeks, kind of gathering a lot of this information. But um, it is an interesting statement that comes from the, the the board, which I don't know if it's going to come back to bite them in any way to say that they've audited a financial report that they don't have. Right. That's, I don't know, makes you think about, it makes you think about a lot of stuff. It makes you think about kind of like, you know. It makes you, me think about a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to sit back here because you guys are, are the former auditors. I don't know how that world works, but uh, I imagine there's probably a, some some thumbs being put on the scale, maybe some encouragement to uh, potentially come up with the numbers that would be helpful uh, for you to come up with. But I, I, I don't know how that world works. And we have, uh, this the, the financial report has not been shared with the public. We have seen the financial report, and we, again, have not personally audited it. But within it includes specifics as to how they arrive at certain numbers. And there is a lot of documentation they have. They have got, they've gotten the, mo- the models that they've used for broadcast rights and things like that have been put together with the help and supervision and review of media buyers, the people that pay the money for this, that have signed off on this to say, oh, I believe you, I don't know how this exactly works, but like, I could, they, that's the, the people that they work with to come up with the numbers that add up to the 10 billion, right? Again, I cannot swear off on $10 billion, but the, they are extremely confident in how they came up with it. And it's not just numbers written on the, on the back of a piece of paper. That is, that is definitely not uh, the way it seems. And it just, when you marry that to the two things of like this, the PGA Tour board is telling players or Kisner is saying, we've reviewed this and it doesn't work financially and yet they actually haven't reviewed it is like, well, wait a second here. What happens when these the PGA Tour players find out that this information has not been shared and they're telling the member, like we're saying to the members, no, 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 it's fine. It's not viable. Oh, and the PGL raises their hand and says, no, no, you, you don't have it. Like you haven't reviewed it. And why don't you let us explain it to you? Then you can decide whether or not it's accurate. And if we don't, if you don't think it's accurate, we'll move on. But if they're lying or telling an inaccurate story to the PGA Tour players, that seems like a dangerous game to play, no? And even if, you know, I get that there's obviously a cost to, like, uprooting and, and changing all of these things. But even if the number's $5 billion and not $10 billion, and all these numbers that we're talking about are, are halved, like, it's still a lot of money that we're talking about that, you know, if you're operating – if your operating interest is to make as much money for the players as possible, uh, this still seems like there's a lot of money to be made, even if the numbers are only half of what they say they are, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Any reaction, big guy? Oh God, guys. Um, I think you can get a chance to pretty much build you a model to say anything you want, uh, given sufficient motivation and, inclination to do so so i take all of this with a gigantic gigantic grain of salt that's not to say i don't know if the pga players have reviewed the the best or latest information quite honestly quite honestly uh where all of this makes me go is like man i don't care just tell me what happens when we get there (laughs) i I, and i know i've said that before but i i just i have not gotten into any of this stuff really is it the, the team golf, the whole idea of 18 kind of Super Bowls with all the best players? That doesn't interest you at all? It just seems like such a pipe dream. It, it seems like, I don't know, it seems far-flung still to me at this point. I don't disagree with you, but 
I, 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 I think that the guys involved the PGL know that, right, to be a pipe dream, yet they've dev- devised this system or this proposal to be extremely appealing to all decision makers in this, right? Corn, PJ Tour members, you're getting straight up cash at, uh, and equity into and, this league. And again, worth reiterating, not just 48 players who are playing in this league. Correct. Like all 200 PJ Tour players, all 200 Corn Ferry Tour players. Okay, here's what I still don't understand, is if this is such an awesome idea for everybody, why doesn't the PGA Tour just say, thank you, we're going to implement this on our own? What I don't understand what the outside World Golf League uh, World Golf Group. I, I don't understand what they bring to the table. It is a question I asked Andy directly on that podcast in November, and uh, he he spoke to that. He said honestly, we'd be happy if they did just take it because I don't believe him. I at don't all. believe. I don't part. believe him at all. I don't believe that part either. But it at least speaks to like where I believe he is coming from and why I am a fan of the idea is that it seems fan centric, right? And like he he speaks and he could be lying for all I know, but he speaks so often publicly and privately about this being interesting for fans, right? This whole thing like doesn't make sense if it's not making, you know, golf that much more entertaining. And I I don't think the PGA Tour has the vision or urgency or capability to do anything like this. Like the leaders, the people that run the tour, the decision makers there don't want to be seen as the people that ceded their power to some outside organization, right? That that's just not what they're going to lead with. Yet, if they are forced into this by the players, like by the the people that are supposedly kind of running the tour, saying like we're voting on this, like this is what we want to do, that is kind of the only way in. I would say. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I also just worth mentioning again. I don't know what I'm talking about in this area at all, but I wonder if some of it has to do with just the way the PJ Tour is set up and the the 501c6 structure and all that stuff. I don't know if you can have a breakaway. Like, I, I don't know if you can have part of your entity kind of, you know, in this, we sell sponsor, like we sell franchises, we sell all these things and have part of it as kind of your existing structure. I don't know how that works, but that could be part of it. I definitely don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, the, <laughs> the report came out a couple months ago or whenever that was right around Christmas about, uh, the the potential what is it three event team series or yeah. the tour kind of starting to dip their toe into this stuff I w- I would guess that the idea is exactly what you're saying Randy which is like why don't we you know maybe this does make sense and why don't we start to just do as much of it as we can by ourselves which Solly would bring me to your point which is the tour listen the tour's tour's great no one loves the tour more than me but it's uh. I wouldn't say they get a ton of benefit of the doubt on uh, really breaking the mold in creative yeah. ways. And uh, that's why I think the worst thing that can happen from this, and, and it's probably the most likely outcome, exactly. is like a lame compromise of some way. Yes. Like, we'll take some of this part of the idea without really capturing the spirit of it, and that's kind of like that three-team, you know, three-event team series for the fall. That's what it reeked of to me. And I, I think a total reboot where there are 18 events plus five majors. And I'll count the players in that where all the top players are going to be there for all of it is like way more followable and interesting for golf fans. That's, that's the basis of it for me. And I also think what's so cool about it. Like I I spent a ton of time going through (laughs) not to sound like uh, I know what I'm looking at or talking about, but going through like the financial model and going through the, like some of the more business planning type stuff. And 
it does seem like there's an answer to a lot of the questions that people ask, right? And yes. where a lot of the people are like, well, I, you know, I want to, I don't want to watch a bunch of events in Saudi Arabia. It's like, all right, well, cool. That's not what we've got 12 events in the US, two in Europe, one in Australia, one in the UAE, and two in Asia. Like, would watch. Yeah. Sounds great. And if you don't know the answer, like if, if they've not, put all of the information out there publicly, that doesn't mean that there's not an answer to it. Right. And, and they're I, not trying to win the PR war. Well, and I think just going through a couple more of the or stuff. Or are they? Or are <laughs> they? Or are they? Uh, I think a couple more of the things is like, well, I, you know, I like watching the underdogs. I don't want to watch, you know, just the same guys every week. That's like a WGC. They have a, a 13th team, like a, a team of like true wild cards that does change one team that changes every week. So you have, you know, it's just three wild card or three wild card the field, sparks. Yeah. 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 So you have those, like, that aspect of it where, like, you could have a life-changing win literally every week is is in the field. I think the money is, like, outrageous. Like, I, I think going through, like, don't don't sleep on how much money the PGL is putting up yes. on the table here for, for what we're talking about. I think, uh, I think this is out there as well, but I think they're promoting $392 million for 18 events, which breaks down, you know, by 51 players is the average player makes $7.7 million for the year. The prize money, so that's what did I say? The 320 or $392 million for 18 events. The prize money won by the top 51 players in 2021 was 206 million. That includes FedEx Cup bonuses, that includes everything except the majors. Hmm. Uh it's a shitload more money. Yes. Now granted on like a per event basis, I think the PGL is still pretty far behind live just because there are only eight events and this would be 18 so there's that but I, I don't know i think the whole like selling franchises aspect of it is is another thing where you know we hadn't really talked about this a ton i don't think where it's like okay so the corn Ferry tour still exists the pga tour quote unquote like the pga tour without the top 48 guys still exists but we're just building another thing on top of this that's going to be worth all this money, I, I think it's a very valid question. Like, okay, where does all that money come from, right? And I think some of the aspects, and feel free to jump in on with more of this, but some of the aspects is just like the sale of franchises. Think about how much, you know, I think in their model they value the franchises at something like, something between like $400 million and $500 million, something like that. Uh, adding up 12 of those is a significant amount of, of revenue that can't really exist in this individual, you know, player model that, that we have. So there's, there's a bunch there. I don't know. I mean, it just, it's, it's basically the, the idea is realizing a lot of what current, uh, you know, he, he says this in the, in the statement, I forget who it was on the, from the PGL that really uh, said the statement to the fire pit of like the money that's sitting on the sidelines, right? Like the money that, you know, companies would be willing to invest and sponsor if they get something totally different from what the PGA tour offers them, which you know, not everyone is very thrilled with how, you know, not everyone's thrilled with the their per dollar return for what they get out of it's it's the the model would not look like it does the current commercial model looks like, right? Because like it, it that's a whole nother avenue that we that we can go down. But the idea of capturing this value of like uh, you know, of a team ownership, that, that none of that exists currently. So that's an inflow right there. And then the television broadcast, if you totally remodel how that is and how sponsors can activate on site and how you can have you know, basically like garage visits like they do in Formula One, but for sponsors and you're making revenue off that and then realizing maybe potentially all this gambling data down the road and all this stuff. Like it, 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 uh, it, it's, it's a vision that I can't even like fully explain. I feel like I under, it's kind of like crypto. I got, I understand it. I can't <laughs> teach it. Like I can't teach it, but like, man, it makes a lot of sense. And really 
If you keep going, keep going on these questions that you're throwing out there, like, okay, well, why this? Why this? It really does seem like it just, if you keep pulling the string, it ends up at, yeah, but like, we need someone with a vision that's leading the PGA Tour to to want to do it. Like, that's what it's all going to boil down to. Like, who's going to benefit from all this? I, I I don't know what the downside really is. Like, if it blows up spectacularly, you just go, go back. back to this right. model, which uh, I don't think it's going to be a damaged product in any way if you do. Um, and to their point, they're just like, just at least hear us out. And if you don't like the proposal, that's when things can get super interesting. Because if you go back and, again, and listen to that podcast, Andy lays out what has to happen. And he says, what we need basically, and I'm, I'm summarizing this, paraphrasing it, but what we need is Rory to take this to, you know, the players and, and decide on this, right? And what happened shortly after that, Rory came on the podcast and mentioned that he listened to Andy on there. And that, as you saw now, this information, this letter has gone to Rory, the board, and now the players and the public have all seen this, right? So that was the next step. The goal of that to be like, get everyone, all the players' attention, give them the opportunity to learn about it, give them the opportunity to vote on it. I don't know exactly how that stuff plays out and whatnot, but that is the sequence of events that has to happen. And if the players say no, they have a decision. They have a decision from all of the people that you know they're trying to give a lot of money to right off the bat. And if the players say no to that, then they revisit the model of the chicken and egg and getting players to jump. And I also go back to, you know, we've talked about this with uh, different sponsorship stuff, you know, throughout the years. But when you see the way that people's, and I'm not saying it's the same thing, $400 million is a shitload of money, as you said. But when you see the way people's, like some of these CEOs' faces light up when they're in the same room as some of these players, like you you understand why they make these sponsorship, like, you know, agreements. It's, it's not for ROI reasons. It's not because like the math equation tells them it makes sense. It's because a lot of these people are like golf dorks that just want to spend time with pro golfers. And this idea that there's like, I don't know who they have on board. I'm sure there's a number of billionaires in their, in their ear that live, breathe. All they do is think about golf. This idea to have like, I'm the captain of one of these brand new ships and I'm going to be texting all these guys constantly and I'm going to be thinking about ad drops and who we're going to have on the team and all these other things like I could see why that would be very 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 appealing to somebody who's you know for whom money is like basically abstract granted they need to find 12 of them but that's you know I, I don't think it's I, I think the number is probably going to be higher than what would make logical sense. And I guess the, the only other thing I had on, on this too is a big part of this, Randy, I, I think is understanding how much of this the tour could do on their own without World Golf Group, PGL, any of those guys. Because, I mean, I, I think it would be, it's not a, a very far bridge to draw in your head that like, yeah, of course they haven't met with these people because if they do want to do anything similar to this, they can't read the report they can't have a meeting with these people they can't do any of these things and then go do like cut them out and go do the same thing on their own right so they almost need to like the, the pj tour would need to protect themselves i would think like legally as well uh on on trying not to you know trying to figure out if this is something they want to do on their own down the road they can't like have already had the idea seated and and be intimately familiar with the proposal right or i would think they would open themselves up to lawsuits there I don't know enough about the law to like what's protected under trademark. I like, I, I, have no I, I definitely do. So just for sure, <laughs> for sure. Just take my word on that. I, I just struggle with gosh, those valuation numbers when we put it in the context of, I, I don't know, 
like does it feel like professional golf is I, I like I just don't see the the worldwide growth and appeal of it maybe compared to some other things but I've been wrong before and certainly will be wrong again so I I, I don't know but I, I'm just deeply dubious and skeptical i guess is my resting position well your opinion doesn't count here because you believe that the tour has 20 billion dollars in digital assets because your boy <laughs> phil said that so uh, yeah i mean <laughs> dude i i wish i could say more confidently whether what i think about the numbers like i don't i don't know how to uh, listen i was a former auditor but you know i don't i don't know how to v- review projectional models like this that you know as far as co- like valuations of companies and things uh, no, like that i mean it's that's above, kind of the beauty of projections is a, you, yeah. they can kind of be what what you want them to be and then it's you just have to make a decision whether you believe in it and want to fund it and go forward or whether you don't but here's where i think it's important randy is i don't think they need to be that right for the decision makers to be heavily incentivized to want to pursue this anyway right for the people involved like hey we're going to give you this much in cash straight up like the equity might be worth this 10 10 billion in the future right which you know you guys are going to have a a a stake in and i don't want to get into how the the loans are structured and the equity is all structured. That's it's pretty complicated, but like, yo, straight up, like, do you want this couple million dollars right here? Uh, you know, for for PGA Tour players and Corn Ferry guys, do you want this 300k and and this new model that's also going to have a trickle down flow effect into future income? Like, does that get your attention? And also has a path for like what you can work towards in your own career, right? Like, that's that's yes. the other thing is like, all these guys are so hell bent on betting on themselves, right? And they all want the upside of of these careers and like they see themselves being a top 10 player in the world. You know, I, I would think unless like you're not going to be a top 10 player in the world, unless you have that mindset. Right. And we've heard it from every kind of professional golfer out there. It's like, what's your goal is like, well, to be number one in the world. And sometimes you're like, Oh shit, you like, so no way. <laughs> but on, like they all have that mindset, which is where something like this just seems like it makes so much more sense to me. And, and keeping that entire ecosystem in place rather than again, like dog, Greg Norman was on the podcast talking about, I think Gary Williams asked him like, Hey, uh, you have a team event as your like capstone thing, it's going to be for $50 million. You guys don't even know like how teams are going to be formed. How are you going to like figure out who's eligible for that? And he's like, you know, that's a great question. And we're working on that. We're working on that. Like that's the stuff where I'm like, yo, it just seems like you guys are completely like throwing dynamite into the office and grabbing as much cash as you possibly can. And then whatever happens, happens. But like, I'm going to have a ton of cash. It's going to be sick. Uh, whereas this just feels like it is keeping that entire infrastructure in place and ecosystem in place for people to actually move up and down throughout the game of golf while also making sure that these top players are paid and all of these things that we've been talking about for the last two years that are a little out of whack yeah oh, I, I don't know what's going to happen I do know I, I don't know but like I think that I think it's not over I think it's definitely not over I think it is uh, I've said this before but the the carrot meme I can post this on Twitter if you want but the, the meme of the two carrots, uh, the two rabbits uh, standing with, uh, you know, the, the part of the, the it's hard. It's, I, I can't explain the verbal meme. It, it makes a lot of sense. Basically says the PGL has been working quietly behind the scenes and the SGL is, is loudly, you know, staking their claim in the game, uh, the world of golf. And uh, I, I, I know which one of the two models <laughs> makes a lot more sense to me. So uh, anything else on that? Are we ready to move on? A couple other uh, items here to, to cover here before we uh, approach the two-hour mark. But 
not a ton, I don't think, to report on this front, but there was a, uh, from the RNA and USGA distance, insight, uh, distance Insights update, I, I highly recommend Jeff Shackelford's newsletter, The Quadrilateral, that kind of details this and basically spelled it out better than I could. But basically, uh, the USGA and RNA is, you know, investigating impacts on hitting distance from uh, in, basically the uh, big takeaway is increasing the ball speed test for golf balls to reflect club head speeds achieved by today's longest hitters. So kind of in layman's terms, basically, I, I believe the proposal or, or the um, suggestion or whatever it is would be to test uh, golf ball performance at speeds of 125 miles an hour instead of 120, basically honing in on potential limitations and dialbacks for uh, specific to the highest swing speeds. So a lot of people have a lot of issues with potential changes in distance, basically, especially Joe Amateur. They may be swings at 90 miles an hour saying, I don't want to lose my distance. It sounds like from this report and, and this update, I guess, if you will, that they are focused in the right areas and not focused on taking away uh, distance from uh, from Mr. 90 mile an hour. I'm not looking at you directly, Randy. I was just looking off into the distance. I, what, 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 what are people upset about losing their distance? What, I, that wouldn't even... Oh my God! I hit my driver thirty yards shorter. Guess what? I'm going to move up a set of tees. People don't and, move up. That's the problem, Big. They don't. Well, right. And I'm saying, if you're listening to this podcast, move up. It's more fun. Here, here. You're also, not Rand- that good. Randy hasn't hit ninety miles an hour in years. So exactly. We're fine. We're not talking about him. Yeah, I guarantee you, you're going to stink whether you hit that driver <laughs> thirty yards longer or not. If you're in, I do. If you're interested in reading more, they're also allowing for continued innovation uh, of balls and clubs for players at all levels. There's some potential spin changes, balls to all that stuff. I I don't know this report well enough to to kind of to kind of teach it, but just flagging it for the future. It seems like it'll be a, an interesting discussion point whenever changes are officially made. All above my pay grade. Maybe at the most we've ever had. This is a, a watch this space yes. for further updates. Very much so. The fluid situation. Yeah. Uh, looking ahead to this coming week, we got the match play. Bryson has committed uh, to the tournament as of Friday. A lot of there's some celebration going on on social media about that. Uh, is he is he still in the field? Do you think by the time that Blank is listening to this episode? I mean, I'll say no, just because I mean he was committed to Bay Hill. He was committed to the players, and you know it sounds like the wrist injury is is not good. And uh, I'll I'll guess no, but that is a complete guess. Do we see Bryson this week, Randy? I'll take the other side. Of course we see it. <laughs> valiant, valiant comeback. The golf world awaits his return with bated breath. Can't also wait. Seems like if he – well, I guess he's just trying to get reps probably at this point before Augusta if he is coming back. But coming back to a match play event also would be kind of weird. And uh, I don't know. Seems, I think – Seems strange. I can't – this is like a – this is a – Practically uh, a home game though. I'd say this is a an interesting inflection point for Bryson. I think it's – it's it's been a kind of a little bit of a dick move to make these commitments and and pull out knowing that your health is really not very good and from what I've heard rumor wise maybe a little worse than you've even let on you commit to another tournament in bail the week of like then now you're just like being an asshole like now you are you know not only to the last guy that's not in the field yet but sponsors all that stuff like this is officially a thing if you withdraw from this one so with that in mind I think we may see him this week I okay. don't know. That that's I, the only reason why. As as always, I hope we do. Every tournament's better when he's there. So I I hope we hope we do see him. MJH seven thirty update on future no laying up content, please. DJ, anything you want to shine a light on? Uh, deep in the edit bay on uh, strapped season ten uh, right now, which we did in South Carolina. I don't know if we actually announced that or not, but there we go. Randy and I, and along with uh, 
Ben and Matt Golden just got done filming a, I'm going to still call it a top secret project, not willing to divulge like yes. like quite that. what it is yet. All I'll say is that uh, it was a week long. You can do some detective work on that. And I think big rain me in if I'm getting overzealous. I think it's the most, uh, uh, I think it's what uh, probably the coolest shoot we've ever done. I think that's right. I think that's right. So taking nothing away from anything. Else. Anything, of course, of course, of course. Uh, no, I'm, I, I couldn't be more excited about it. That news of that will will come out in due time. So uh, watch wa- this space. Watch this space. That's it on the video front. I think. I think that's it on the golf front for this week. Are we ready to? Uh, well, in- we got other couple. Of, Randy, what's no. going on with the trap draw? Oh, big week coming up on the trap draw. We have a two part Oscars extravaganza with myself and DJ and. Timothy Simons, you might know him best playing Jonah on the show Veep. Uh, we break down in part one. It's just a broad movie discussion. We go a lot of weird places. And then part two, we break down the each best picture film uh, that's been nominated in depth. So excited about that. And then the week after that's going to be a really fun, perfect club. DJ and I talked to Ben Rector about making a music album. He has a new album out now the joy of music and love, love, love our discussion with Ben Rector. So the next few weeks on the trap draw, some exciting, uh, funny, weird stuff, which is the way we like it. Love that. We have a uh, recording interview this, this weekend uh, that will, I believe come out this Tuesday in case, you know, shifting tides in the golf world. You never know if it might get bumped the next week. So I won't tease it just yet, but I really, really enjoyed this interview. And uh, we're about time to start doing Masters prep. That's will be, uh, it's coming. Masters is coming. I can confirm that on the horizon. Uh, That is it for golf. That is it for golf, which I'll stand by that before we did the trap draw update because that was not a lot of golf update in that. So when I said that we're done with the golf. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. good call. Um, So if you would like to turn it off, please feel free, as some people do not enjoy when we discuss Formula One is back. The Bahrain Grand Prix. Did you watch all of it today? What did you think? I did. I had a blast. It's it's early. Randy, forgive me. You said you had watched or you hadn't watched? No, I had. I didn't you, get to watch it live. I have it taped, but I have not had a chance to actually watch it yet. You going to drop off? You don't want any spoilers? No, it's okay. Okay. Well, I'll say that uh, I had a blast watching. Didn't know how the... I didn't really follow it super, super closely. Uh, that's a bit of a byproduct of there being a fucking golf tournament every single week. Uh, and we just, it's a lot to keep up with. I, I didn't really have a great, great, great sense. I knew there were a lot of changes coming to F1, but I didn't have a great sense of what they were, how they were going to be implemented, how they were going to affect uh, the grid, the paddock. Would we see instantaneous impacts from those changes? And with Haas in the P5 position, I think you could say we've seen immediate, immediate impact. We're rock stars. Uh, I had a blast, man. A lot of it was they were talking about, um, you know, with new cars, new, I don't know if it's new exhaust systems or the way that the, the exhaust somehow is funneled. I don't know how it works. But uh, the big, big issue was these cars were spitting up so much dirty air, you couldn't actually get right on people's heels. You couldn't really do a lot of rubbing and racing, uh, which we saw in spades today. Saw a ton of great overtakes, re-overtakes, re-re-overtakes. Oh, my uh, gosh. I mean, exciting. it was just great. A great battle between Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen. Uh, spoiler alert, Randy didn't go well for Verstappen uh, coming down to the last couple laps. Mm. Uh, but I had, a, I had a great time watching. It looks like, I mean... Man, what can I say more than that Haas is currently third in the constructor standings <laughs> right now? What what 
like, what more do you possibly want out of F1 than that? I, I think I am. And Ferrari's back. Yeah. I got him in a big way. Mostly in on the new cars for the point you just made. The Verstappen-Leclerc battle was, in my experience watching F1, it was like a lot of anticipation of, okay, maybe on this lap, so-and-so at this point is going to have a chance to overtake them. And once he does that, he's not going to lose the spot back. Like, right. it, just the way the previous cars worked. Watching those two trade the spot back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it lost the inevitability of an overtake. It wasn't like, uh, there's still going to be times when it's like so-and-so has the pace and is going to be able to get past this guy. But the ability to fire back is going to make the, just watching a race that much more entertaining. Now, so far, it seems like there's a ton of complications with the new cars that Mercedes hasn't figured out. And obviously, Red Bull had not figured out. Um you know, they had two guys drop out of the like, the cars, lost power. I, I still don't know what happened. I haven't followed up as to what happened. But I got a text from a friend who said it was a completely bold decision for Red Bull to start the season by designing uh, engines that blow up mid-race. Yes. No one, no one on Red Bull finished the race. Neither Verstappen or Perez finished the race, and it ended just horrifically for them. And Ferrari's won that. Leclerc goes pole position, wins the race, and gets fastest lap, and Carlos signs finished second is the best possible start to the season they possibly could have had. And Mercedes struggled all weekend long and they finished third, fourth and are now second in the constructors already. So even when things are going horribly for them, uh, it goes very well. And Red Bull is sitting at the bottom with zero points. We had our, our beautiful boy, Georgie get some points, uh, in his Mercedes debut. That was a blast. Uh, just a complete shit show for our guys at McLaren. Ugh. The Zach Brown band, very, very t- completely chicken fried out Tours there. Tours canceled. Uh, <laughs> I hate that. Yeah. Sounds like they had their toes in the sand too long. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, man, it was just a, it was a great race. I had a had a blast watching today. It definitely it it is a change of pace. Uh, just Ferrari alone having that much pace. I mean, this was not a fluke for Ferrari. I don't think. I mean, they they were on. They had the best pace pretty much all weekend, from what I gathered, and. Uh, it's a little fluky for Red Bull to get zero points out of it because they looked decent for most of the weekend, and Mercedes truly did not look good. Um, but, you know, they always seem to figure it out. But it's going to be an interesting to see how these teams evolve. I'm not sure how I feel about what the cars do to the tires. It seems like this might be a season of pit stops. Which I think could be compelling, right? Could like, be. what's the most interesting part of the races, right? It's it like, do be. they have time? Do they not have time? What are the, you know, how much is a bad pit going to cost you? This is a cheap stop. I got to make this. I kind of, I kind of like that. That's it's a bit like changing pitchers, Randy. You know, what do you? How long are you going to leave them in there? Yeah, a little strategy. I, I'm with you. I, I like the pit stops. Love when my guy Toto double stacks too. <laughs> <laughs> and next week they're going to uh, Saudi Arabia, which would be cool. I feel like already. Uh, cool. cool. Yeah, it. which I feel yeah. like. Uh, you know, I heard Son that of a bitch. they're making, a, which I know you guys are upset that I've been reading some stuff. They're making a lot of changes over there. And I think they're, it's just they're growing auto racing. Yeah. yeah. I think they're it's just growing be, the game of auto racing. I think it's going to be good to uh, see them kind of get a fair shake in, in the world of sports. So that'll be good stuff. I can think of no better way <laughs> to wrap up this extremely long show. So thank you everyone for tuning in. Hope you have a great week. We'll be back to wrap up the match play next week. And uh, yes, thank you for tuning in. Cheers. Crack on! Sick! Be the right club. Be the right club today! Yeah! Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything!